This afternoon, my guest is Gary Brook. Gary is the vice president of probably the most well-known race club in Australia and probably one that's very well-known throughout the world, and that is the Birdsville Race Club. For those that don't know, Birdsville is out on the border between the Northern Territory, South Australia and Queensland. Is that right, Gary? Does a territory come down not that far? Oh, it's not too far. Nothing's too far away when you're out there. (laughs) No, no, that's just spoken like a true Birdsvillian, that, you know, nothing's very far away when it's 700 (laughs) kilometres away. But Birdsville races are held annually, uh, usually the first weekend in September, and draw an amazing crowd of people. Having been someone who's been to the Birdsville races, I can guarantee you it is one of the most iconic Australian events you should ever attend. Good afternoon, Gary. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you today? Well, thank you. You, I said you are the vice president of the Birdsville Race Club. Has it been a lifetime involvement for you or something that you've just become involved in in the last little while? No, look, it's probably been a lifetime involvement. My family's been in the Birdsville region for for many generations. My father, my grandfather was a jockey. He used to ride in the races. Um, My father's been some form on the committee, be it Secretary or Treasurer for probably 45 years. Uh, and myself, um, I've certainly been on the committee for the last, I don't even know how many, um, six or ten years. And before that, just involved in in helping out each year and whatever was, was needed, whatever the, the family or the parents say you need to do. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, so just a little history on the Birdsville races for those that don't know. Um, how many years has it been going now and has it always been, I mean, it's called the Birdsville races, but has it always been actually at Birdsville or what's the history? Yes. Um, the first Birdsville races was held in 1882, so almost 138 years ago. Back then it was, you know, a, a congregation of station stock horses and people, I guess, testing out their, their stock horses. They had the first meeting and then officially formed what was then titled the Border Jockey Club. Oh, right. And established, elected in a committee and, and said we'd do it again next year. So, yeah, for, for almost 140 years it's been, been running in Birdsville. It, it used to be on a different track out to the west of town, about three kilometres to the west of town or five kilometres to the west. That used to occasionally get inundated with flooding um, that would um, damage the area. So they moved it, um, what is now, to the southeast of town. But it's been there certainly for as as long as I can remember. Um, But, yeah, always uh, just annually, um, two days of races. Um, At the moment, we've got 13 races over the two days, and and we always have it on on what is the first Saturday in September. So 138 years, it it was generally a, a pretty small meet Really until the late 70s, in 1978, I think it was, the then Prime Minister Malcolm Fraser visited the event and certainly the first and I think only sitting Prime Minister to visit um, during the event and that really put it on the map and got plenty of media attention and and the crowds grew very quickly from there. We had our centenary in 1982, again um, got plenty of, of interest and it's really grown steadily since then, as as roads have got better, communications have got better, and, and in the last few years, the ability to use social media and the like to attra- attract a new audience. So, grown steadily, um, and still remains, you know, one of the the biggest events in in Outback Australia. 
Yeah, it's certainly, as I said, it is certainly a ton of fun. I um, have been three times myself, so I am speaking from experience. Um, It's an amazing event um, in the regard of the number of people that it attracts, of the variety of people that it attracts and where they come from. On an average, what's an average crowd that comes to Birdsville now? Yeah, look, it it fluctuates a little bit, but generally it's in that six to 8,000 people year on, year off. Um, Might be a little bit more. Sometimes things like weather, if you get a bit of a a dust storm or strong winds or weather to the east, that might, you know, dip the number of aircraft that might come. But generally it's that six to 8,000, 8,000 people. And so let's paint a picture. That's that's a lot of people at a race day by any any numbers. Um, in Birdsville, there's a hotel, there's a motel, there's a school, police station, service station, caravan park. That's sort of basically the town and a bakery. Mustn't forget the bakery. And um, a bakery. <laughs> yeah, and a great bakery. Um, you know, it's not a big town by any stretch of the imagination. For that amount of people to come in, what is involved in preparing for that? Or, you know, do you basically go, there's a caravan park and the rest of you, you sleep wherever you can find a flat, fleecy ground? Granted, there's plenty of well, those. that's about it. Um, caravan park <laughs> is, is certainly those that get in early or get that spot, get their access to some powered site and showers and the rest of the people will be camped. Um, but look, it's the Birdsville Race Club and the Diamantina Shire Council working in partnership along with other stakeholders in the community to to bring the crowd in and ensure that when they're there, they're, they're safe and happy. Lots of things that are done to make that. There's things like ablutions that are brought in, additional waste disposal. Um, there's camping areas on the outside of town, on the town common towards the race course. There are shuttle buses that come in to take people to and from campsites and the course. Um, additional showers that are put on for people that, that need that, You know, additional generators for the town, etc. So... Everything just needs to be ramped up. But we are also fortunate in that, you know, we don't make too many promises because if people are coming to the birds for races, they'll be camping. Yeah. And I think that's a great leveller um, yeah. because it really doesn't matter who you are, what you do for a living or where you come from. You can be camped next to somebody that's retired, a young group that's out for a good weekend, a multi-millionaire, a, you know, uh, it doesn't really matter what your background is. You, you have that common ground that you're camping. And I think that also brings people together and one of the reasons why people have so much fun because yep. you're all on the same, you're all on a level playing field. Um, you're making the best of it. You're enjoying the outback um, and just having a generally having a good time. Yeah. I mean, by the sound of it, as a committee, that is part of your, your mission and your plan is that it is a weekend in the outback and as such, the facilities will be what they are. There's not, you know, we can't make things that aren't here. And, you know, as I said, as an attendee, that is part of what is the fun is just seeing what people camp in and what they stay in and where they stay. It's a two weekends of racing. We couldn't talk about the Birdsville races without the Fred Brophy boxing tent being there. That is that is certainly one of the draw cards too, and Fred's a bit of an icon in Birdsville. Um, whose idea was it initially to bring Fred to the Birdsville races? Yeah, good question. I don't know, even know whether, whether we have that record in terms of <laughs> well, he why just turned he up. came. I, I mean, I guess, <laughs> I, I guess one of the things that, um, you know, for any event in regional areas, you have the entertainment, you have the food stalls. So Fred was part of a travelling circuit um, with his 
yep. his troop and he'd do things like the Mount Isa Rodeo that's held not long before birds for birds for races and other things on route. So, I mean, that was Fred's lifestyle. I remember growing up myself, same age as Fred's children, and they'd come in and they'd be in the, in the school for a week with us and we'd see them again next year. So that was, was his lifestyle. But there's no question that... Um, you know, the characters like Fred and the entertainment he puts on is synonymous with the birds for races and contributes towards, you know, what is a, a really great atmosphere. And, and um, he's been coming for, must be on 40 years now, still desperate to win the birds for cup with a horse. I think he's got a deal with um, with Sandy. I say his wife, but it's not his wife, his partner. Yes. Um, that uh, that she'll only marry him if he gives up drinking or wins the Birdsville Cup. So he's really trying to win the Birdsville Cup. <laughs> he's pretty <laughs> he's safe. That's the, that's the only one of those two he's got a hope of doing. So <laughs> yeah. um, each year he's, he brings a horse out or puts a horse with the trainer desperate to, to get his hands on it. So, yeah, no, look, uh, he's, as I said, he's been great, great for, the, for the event. And I think a lot of people have got a lot of enjoyment out of his shows over the years. It's a great weekend in relation, you know, to getting there. Anyone who comes from the east, most people go through Windora and they've done a great job of putting the Yabby races on, en route to the Birdsville races. Is there enough acknowledgement, I guess, is what I'm trying to get at from the powers that be of the effort that goes into putting all those events on for the people of southwest Queensland? Oh, I mean, look, there's always room for improvement, but we're we're very pleased um, with the level of support we receive from both local and and state government. I mean, I, I think I mean this outback Queensland is just such an amazing destination, and and you touched on the journey. We really feel like part of the attraction to the Birds for Races is the journey. Yep. Yes, we've got two days of races, and yes, we're very proud of our event and and the local community. But half the fun of a an event like the Birds for Races is a trip, and you touched on the Winora um, Yabby races. We've got the Kulpi Karangaranga Do. You've got, you know, activities in Charleville, um, Katamala Fella Festival on the Batuta races the weekend before. So, what the Birds for Races has done is really create, it's created the destination, then allowed a lot of other communities en route to thrive and capitalise. And we think it's really important that, that people don't just come for the birds for races. We want them to stop into those communities and go to the age of dinosaurs, you know, in Aramanga and things at Winton and so forth and really stop in and spend the dollars in the regional and remote communities and see what they have to offer because there's just so much. Whether you're a bird watcher, somebody that likes camping, whether you do like a little bit of luxury, there really is something for everybody. So, yeah, we think, you know, over the last 10 or so years in particular, um, governments, I think, have really started to recognise the value of tourism into to region areas, perhaps more so than before. Um, they have supported the events. They have assisted us in promoting the events. And something like the Birds for Races, I mean, it alone generates in excess of 70,000 visitor nights into Queensland. So people yeah. that, are, that are, you know, staying in Queensland and heading to the Birds for Races. So... I think certainly as an event, we punch above our weight, but it really is a draw card to outback Queensland, but Queensland in general, because over 50% of our attendees come from interstate. Mm. And there's probably not a lot of events in regional areas that would have that sort of profile. No, that's right. Um, So, you know, because of the attraction that you get, um, in relation to dealing with the racing officials and racing Queensland and, and those sorts of people, are they... I guess lenient's not the right word, but are are they supportive of your endeavours of what you're trying to do out there? You know, I've I've sat on a couple of 
or country race meeting race committees here in central Queensland and sometimes you think these people would just wish we would just go away and not even want to hold a race, that we would go and they could, you know, focus on Brisbane and Toowoomba. Um, do, do you have an issue with that or, it, I mean, as I said in the introduction, or Birds for Races is an iconic Australian thing now. Um, do they look upon you as, as a major part of their their program, I guess? Uh, look, I think... I think they do now. Um, I, you know, I don't think that was always the case, but look, we've we've managed to establish ourselves as I think uh, an an event that's high quality. Um, we do make sure that we have our facilities and equipment up to standard. We do invest ourselves. You know, a lot of the money that comes through the gate goes into you know, whether it be upgrading a running rail or improving the the horse stalls or. Um, jockeys and and things like that. So we invest our own money. Um, we do have the support of Racing Queensland. We're very pleased over the last couple of years that we were elevated to TAB status, which means the prize money is better. Mm. But it also means that we've now got a national or even a global audience. So yeah. more people in their lounge rooms, in their pubs and clubs, can see and go, "That's a place I want to go to." And obviously, we need to ensure that we maintain good quality racing and the safety of horses. We're very fortunate that we have a a natural um, clay pan surface, which is wonderful in dry, horrendous and slippery when wet. So, um, but uh, you know, on, in the dry years, um, you know, we've got a great racing surface that's fair for everybody. Um, we make sure that the horses are looked after, yeah. um, and the, the health and well-being of all participants, horses and, and trainers and jockeys, is really important. But. Now, we feel that whether it be local government, state government, Racing Queensland, that it is a partnership. And, you know, I think when you do have bodies like Racing Queensland and governments that, that place expectations on, on on small communities and small clubs, I think you have to look at that through the lens that it's intended, and that's to ensure that you have measures in place that ensure that, you know, people can get around the track safely yeah. um, and horses looked after. So. Sometimes the first time you hear of new new requirements, occupation, health and safety, you, you might think, oh, no, God, here we go again. But at the end of the day, we have to understand that that's what's necessary to ensure the safety of all participants and, and people. So we're certainly very happy to, to work with them to do that. Yeah. It is a weekend, I guess, of, well, it's a bit more than a weekend because you can't, unless you fly to Birdsville, you can't really get in and out of there in a weekend. And so the races happen during the day and then there's all forms of entertainment that happen for the rest of the weekend. As the committee, do you work with the hotel in relation to that or do you simply say to the pub, you know, first weekend of September, guys, be ready? <laughs> well, I think I think they know what they're doing as, as well as anybody. Um, the race club engages with the hotel, with uh, Fred Brophy, with the local council. We all do our bit to have different things to entertain the crowd, whether it be a, you know, an outdoor movie, a cocktail party, some buskers in the town centre, a band at the pub, and so forth. And you try and have it so that you're not competing with each other. Yep. But equally, you try and have it so that you give people that are at the event some options. Yeah. Um, and I think it's worked really well. Look, many people at the end of it are happy enough just to grab a beer and go for a stroll through the town or sit mm-hmm. around the campfire and enjoy a few tall stories and tell them how they back the winner and so forth. <laughs> um, it's an amazing experience and, uh, you know, I don't ha- really have the words, but there's six or 8,000 people, six to 8,000 people in what is a fairly 
well, small. it's a small town, but it feels like that there's just a great party atmosphere happening. When you go, everyone seems to be there for the right reasons. There doesn't appear, you know, well, I, I've been three times and I've never seen as much as a push or a shove <laughs> in that those three times between people. Everyone's having the same amount of fun and everyone's level of fun, of course, is different. But it's an amazing atmosphere. Has it always been like that or is that something that, um, you know, you've been able to sheet back to a certain publican who was there at the time and said, you know, if we're going to make this work, we've got to be able to do this, this and this? Or has it just been everyone is in the bush and you just seem to see people's stress levels, I guess, lessen and, and people have oh, more look, fun? look, I don't think there's any doubt that the further you go west and do outback Queensland, the happier you become. Um, <laughs> I think that's just a natural one. If you go into the middle of Australia, you're far happier than you are if you're in the city. That probably contributes. Um, look, I think over the years there's clearly been a, a, a shift in terms of the responsible service of alcohol. Yeah. Um, that would always contribute towards good behaviour. But I, I do think your point about people are there for the right reasons. Nobody um, has just decided yesterday to say, let's go to Birdsville tomorrow. Um, and anybody that comes, you know, they don't have to leave early to get home to look after somebody or pick up the kids. Nobody has to go to work tomorrow. Nobody's stressed out. And at the end of the day, there is something for everybody. So if you don't like the person that you're sitting next to, there's plenty of space. Yep. So you can go 50 metres to the left and you're fine. Yeah. Um, if you don't like the music that's on here, well, walk away from it. You're not jammed in and you go, well, this is all I've got. Whether mm. you're somebody that likes quiet night skies, you know, you can go and camp away from everybody. If you're people that really likes to be amongst the acts and you go into the town. Yeah. So I think there's that something for everybody, um, but there's just no pressure. If you if you don't like something, then you don't need to do it. And I've often described to friends, it's really strange um, because everybody is – it has travelled there. It's sort of the only event that you ever go to where literally everybody wants to buy you a beer. You stand <laughs> at the bar and the person next to you look over and go, okay, mate, how are you going? Where are you from? Can I buy you a beer? Let's have a beer. And you yeah. just don't get that anywhere else. No, you so do not. I, I don't know what the secret recipe is, but um, it's certainly there and there's something special about it that, that makes people happy. I just have to ask you, as a long-time Birdsvillian, the year, first year we went, I walked into the hotel and, and bought a beer and you see pictures of the Birdsville races and all the beer cans lying in the gutter. Um, you know, that's that's part of the process. I walked in and I had a beer and I, I sat the empty can up on the counter thinking that the lady would have a bin behind the bar to put it in and she picked up the can and literally threw it at the wall and I went, oh, oh, I'm sorry, thinking I must have done something wrong. She said, don't worry. She said, that's the rules. During the course of the day, they just build up and in the nighttime, we clean them up. Well, that was all very true. How long has that tradition been going on for? As long as you can remember? Well, it probably has. Look, it's probably changed a little bit now. And I think just from a, a safety and aesthetics perspective, although there's no question that added a lot of character, um, you also just need to be careful of people, you know, tripping and, and slipping and, and yeah. the wind blowing the cans around <laughs> and so forth. So we probably don't have as much of it throwing on the ground, but... Um, certainly, you know, if there's a mess there at night, credit to whether it be the local business through the hotel or the the services that are done by the council, you know, the, the place will be immaculate at six o'clock the next morning when people wake up. And it absolutely I think that's is. A credit to, as I said, the council and, and given what it looked like at one o'clock 
in the morning, yep. you know, five hours later, it's spotless. It is worth seeing. The course, you know, there might be plenty of people there and a couple of hours after the event, it's clean and it's, it's back to pristine condition and it'll be like that for another 12 months. So, yeah, no. um, yeah, I mean, things will evolve, but I think there's still, you know, there is certainly some, some charm and character to, to having a beer and crushing it under your feet and so forth. I will add to that that it was a very good fundraiser. The kids from they used to collect the cans for the kids from for the school, and and they made a lot of money out of that that weekend. But it was oh, a. It I was remember a, it very I, well growing up. That, <laughs> that the uh, collection of cans actually paid for the pool at the school. The old Camalco back in the day. <laughs> however much it was a can, we used to. <laughs> yeah. I remember growing up. We used to actually go out to the dump. The school kids would on a Friday afternoon and trawl through the dump picking up the cans and. I think, God help us now with occupational health and safety, you'd never be allowed to do that. And probably we should never have done it to begin with. No. Um, but we certainly used to do that, collect all the cans, send them off, and, you know, a lot of that money went into building the, the local pool. And, and I mean, uh, to me, they're the good things that um, make Birdsville and places like Birdsville, places that they are. At, at the time, you think, oh, gee. But when you sit back and look at the whole the whole gamut of what's going on, there's not many people within that Birdsville community that don't benefit from the, the races in some way, you know, be it the school through the through a beer can, right through, you know, the bakery. I've never seen another one, but it's a licensed bakery. You know, the, the year that it rained, there was nothing left in town but bread and pies. And so we all lined up and paid for bread and pies before we could leave. Um it's an amazing experience that, um, you know, I am a great advocate yeah, for it. I tell everyone they should go to the Birdsville races. <laughs> There's no question. I think I think events um, have a great place in the broader community. Now, there's clearly businesses involved in tourism benefit greatly, but everybody else also benefits in a way because it's through tourism that, you know, when you go to put in a grant to have things like a mobile phone tower installed, well, the very fact that you get, Six or 8,000 people at the races will be a, a positive factor in someone awarding you some money for that or getting a bit of bitumen on your roads or fixing up a black spot and so forth. So yep. there's a lot of those indirect benefits that come through an event, even though as an individual or a resident, you might not benefit that weekend apart from having a good time. You know, some of those other infrastructure benefits, putting birds on the map for other things, I think really contributes towards the economic development of the region. Yeah, I guess the elephant in the room, it's not really an elephant in the room, but COVID certainly has squashed the plans for uh, the races for 2020, which is um, really sad. It's squashed many a plans. I guess, um, are you just mm. going to continue on and shoot for 2021 on the first week of September or are you going to try to get a second date in 2021 and have two race meetings? No, look, we, I mean, we did contemplate it and, and we, we felt, we held off as long as we could, but yeah. we got towards the end of May um, and there wasn't, I mean, mass gatherings weren't even part of the roadmap. Although, who knows what could be the case in September, October. We need to plan with certainty if we're paying airfares and booking, you know, performers and bands and all of those things in place. You know, mm. it's, a, it's a long lead into this event. We can't just decide, you know, we're not like the AFL or the NRL that can decide on Monday that we'll start again on Friday. So it was, it was uh, you know, a really difficult decision, um, particularly given the challenge that a lot of the businesses, tourism businesses in regional areas have suffered as a result of this. This was sort of their last of a big event of the year. So very disappointing to cancel this year. Um, we feel that, that we're an event that 
that is once a year and on the first Saturday in September. And I think if we change that, we run the risk of, of I guess, diminishing what is an annual event. So we, we contemplated even holding it at a later date, but given temperatures and so forth in outback Queensland, once you push really into October, you run the risk of having 40-degree days, which then poses a challenge for horses and, and patrons, given that we do have generally a, a slightly older crowd. So we yeah. felt the best and safest thing was to pull the pin. But, but, you know, at the end of the day, birds will be there again next year. We hope that people that were planning to come this year will say, well, right, I'll definitely put it on the list for next year. We've had a few hiccups over the last 15 years. We had the equine flu in 2007. It rained in 2010. It rained in 2016. <laughs> we got COVID in 2020. So we've had a, a bit of a rough trot. But what we've also found is the year after any of those has always been a bumpy year. I was just going to say, so you're so ready for 16,000 people next year? <laughs> uh, Everyone's suffering from cabin fever. 16,000. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think we'd be in big trouble if we had that many. But look, we, we do things a bit differently now too. We really try and encourage people, um, and it may well be necessary, that, that everybody purchases tickets in advance, and that helps us plan. Yep. Um, you know, if we know we're going to get eight or 9,000 people, well, we can plan for that if people have purchased their tickets in advance. If they decide to rock up on the day, well, maybe they will miss out. So yeah. um, we'll certainly be releasing our tickets later in the year, and hopefully we can get a good guide early, and, and next year can be you know, the best one we've ever had. Mm. Just on that, do you have an attendance limit put on you by the powers that be, or as a committee do you go, we physically can't cope with any more people than that? Look, I mean, we don't have a, a limit per se. We've probably never got to a point that that would be at that limit. Clearly, um, the numbers would impact the likes of security and, and so forth. Yeah. Um, so we've we've never got to the point of having to make a, a difficult decision in terms of capacity, but it's probably not so much the event's capacity at the course itself. It's really the capacity of the town with things like fuel and water and power mm. and ablutions and those sorts of things. That's where the pressure really comes with the big events. So that's really our consideration. We want to make sure we don't want to pack people in to make an extra buck and find that that diminishes the experience. We'd rather have, you know, a couple of thousand less people having a great time than 2,000 more people who make a little bit more money and everybody goes home miserable because they were lined up for too long or there wasn't enough food or they couldn't go to the toilet. Yeah, 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 no. Thanks, Gary. Uh, have you got anything else you'd like to add? Uh, no, I not could, really. I could talk to you about Birdsville races for hours. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to any time. Thanks, Gary. Thank you for your interview this afternoon. And uh, we all look forward to Birdsville Races 2021. I'm sure they will be a spectacular event. And we'll see you in Outback Queensland. Great. Thanks very much, Kate. Cheers. From the Saddle is brought to you by Hewitt Consulting and Communications. Specialising in rural business and marketing design, find them on Facebook and Instagram.